is the best way. Let's do this way. And when Jesus was saying, I've got to go and suffer, Peter wasn't into that at all. He said, no, 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 I don't think this is a good idea at all. I mean, we've just got to get to know you. We've just enjoyed hanging out with you. We're actually looking pretty good in your shadow because you're doing some amazing things. And then Jesus said to him, well, this isn't going to last like this. And they weren't too happy about that. Because like us, they wanted to follow Jesus for the good times. And Jesus was going to say to them, well, I'm handing over the baton to you. I'm actually going to rely on you soon. And they went, no, 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 we're not ready. I want to talk about that today. That Jesus has commissioned and is releasing you and me to serve him now. And if you're like me and you're like each other, not quite yet. I'm not ready yet. And Jesus is continually saying, it's not about you, it's about me in you. So actually the weaker you look, the more I can look more powerful in you. Because people will look and say, how can anything good happen? Look at this person. And Jesus says, that's what I do. I take weakness and I make strength in weakness. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter is coming to terms with something that's just blown his mind. He's just had a dream that God is going to talk to and through Gentiles, non-Jews. It means so little to us, it almost does make, makes no impact. The fact that God could speak to Gentiles, non-Jews, was so out of the paradigm of the Jewish mindset. They couldn't conceive of it. Peter had managed to follow Jesus for three years, go through the the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, the the appearances of the resurrection. He had been able to go through all of that, the gift of Pentecost and the speaking in tongues. And when he was on a roof getting a dream about don't call anything that I have made clean unclean, which is God's reference to the Gentiles, it was a revelation to him that God could actually speak to those people who weren't like us, weren't from our tradition. He didn't see that. He didn't see that coming. But by the time that God gave him that dream, by the time of Acts 10, when God spoke to Peter about prejudice and racism and needing to change his mindset, Peter had enough of a track record with God and Jesus to go, if you say so, then I'm in for it. Yes, Lord, even though it goes against everything I've known up until this point. And so he explained to them when he had gone to Cornelius and he had done what no Jew would ever have done before. He says to them, I I now understand that God has no favorites. And I now understand that he accepts people from every nation who accept him. And I now understand that God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing. And that one whom we knew, we touched, we sensed, we we spent time with, he is greater than anything I ever imagined. In fact, the further along I travel with him, even in the resurrection, even with the Holy Spirit, I actually see more and more he's expanding, not shrinking. And as he expands, 
I find myself challenged and called to a greater obedience. So how is it working with you? How's your following Jesus working? How is God able to change your mind when you have a strong opinion about something? When was the last time that you encountered God to a degree that he changed your mind because he is God? And he didn't have to submit to you because you said, I don't like that, it doesn't feel good to me, it's not convenient to me. When was the last time God was able to press in on you and you, and you gave him some air time to enable him to bring about change? Or have you actually stood there on your terms for a long, long time? God is about calling people to follow him and he will lead into truth and life. That's the good news. And Peter learnt that through his working with Jesus and working with others. Growing in sensitivity to God's spirit so that God could actually transform him. You're loving this, aren't you? Good. Luke chapter 9 is what I want to read this morning. It's very quiet here. Scaring. You, 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 do you understand something? I, I mean, can you, can you enjoy the challenge that takes place between God and us? I mean, do you, do you understand that when we start wrestling with God's agenda and our agendas, I mean, we're not going to go, yeah, sure, that's cool. We are going to be challenged. Do you, do you get that? So Jesus used to go around to people and say, you just want me to tickle your ears with the sweet words and say, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And he says, I'm not doing that. That's not love. God said we need a savior because we were actually in trouble. And so he said, I want to lead you out of slavery into freedom. But you're pretty habitual slaves, so it's going to take some practice. That's what we're about. All right? This is like going to the gym and somebody says, look in the mirror. Oh, my word, don't look in the mirror. Do some weight training. And it's a pain because it's an effort. And so we need somebody, I do anyway, to say, do it. It's how this all works. That didn't help either. Okay. Luke chapter 9. Forget it. You'd just be miserable. Like Luke chapter 9. When Jesus had called the twelve, to, he called the twelve together. When Jesus called the twelve together, could spend the rest of the morning call it together. Everything we're talking about this morning, if you don't notice, I'm going to underline it, is in the context of together. Jesus didn't call people to load, download DVDs, watch CDs, or listen to CDs in their car, do their whole Christian trip alone. I promise you, you will not grow alone. You will grow big-headed because you'll have a lot of information, but your character won't have connected, so you'll be self-righteous, opinionated, and actually probably very childish. Because you'll have lots of knowledge about, but you won't have any character formed in you. And you will tend to rely on your feelings and you won't discern God, but you'll believe it's God because you felt it. It's not truth. So Jesus, everything we're talking about this morning, Jesus called people together. Why? Because we need one another 
to say, are you sure? What about this? What about that? He always does that. He gave them authority, power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Jesus gave them authority to transform lives under the power of God's kingdom. And he said, where the kingdom of heaven is, power is, healing takes place, demons are cast out, transformation happens in people's lives. So I conclude, because I am very intelligent, that if no transformation takes place, no healing takes place, the kingdom of God is not present. The religion of God might be present, the church of God might be present, but the kingdom of God isn't present. And I've grown up in a church that's theologized the absence of God's presence and says it's okay because Jesus just died on the cross to get my vote. No, he died on the cross to transform and open up the way for transformation. That's even better news. He gave them authority. He called the twelve together. This is so cool. It's going to get better, by the way. This is, it's, it's really cool. He, because he, gave, he called them together. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, cure diseases, and sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, to overcome the power of darkness. He didn't send them out to argue the point. He didn't send them out to debate that much. He didn't then send them out to say, look, there are a couple of options here. He sent them out to proclaim, God is alive and the kingdom is here. And Satan is defeated. Go and do it and see what happens. Then he did something even more dramatic because he sends them out and he says to them, and by the way, don't take anything for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. What's he saying? He says, when you go out, don't rely on your own resources. Don't pack the U-Haul trailer with all the stuff, the videos, the DVDs, the books, the manuals, everything you need to help people get into a knowledge of God. Don't take all your resources so that you become self-reliant. Take my authority and the spirit that I've released over you and proclaim the kingdom. How challenging is that? That means that God says to you and to me, all you need is me in you and a sense of identity and authority and you can change the world. Brad and Julia, you don't have to go with anything else. I'm being serious, absolutely serious. It's all given to you by God's Spirit. The things that bring life from Jesus are translated and given to human beings by other human beings who are overflowing with that life of Jesus. Heart to heart, give away what I have received. So the biggest test of what you have received would be to just come up here and I'd say, give me what you have of Jesus. 
without any manuals, without any books, without anything else, just give me what you have, please. If each one of us came up now, this is not a, a negative thing, and I said to you, will you give me what you have of Jesus? I wonder what you would give. I wonder if you'd be sure of what you had. Because you have something. The issue is whether you know what you've got. See, if you've received forgiveness, you can give forgiveness away, mercy. If you've received love, you can give love away. If you've received gifts of the Spirit, you can give gifts of the Spirit away. If you've received mercy, you can give mercy away. If you've received healing, you can give healing away. It's all in you or it's not in you. And Jesus wants you and me to know what's inside us so that we have things to give away. Because it's not about you, it's about him. Right? So he sent his disciples out. He sent 12 people out and he said, Go with my authority and heal the sick and deliver people from evil. And this is when they've been tracking with him not too long. You ever thought about this? He called those 12 disciples together. Fishermen, tax collector, a few people, carpenters, whatever. They probably couldn't read. They probably had been grown up in the Old Testament scriptures through the rabbis and the synagogues. They had no Old Test they had no New Testament. There was no gospels. There was no teaching on Jesus. They didn't know Jesus was going to the cross. They didn't know that he would die on the cross for sins. They didn't know that he would rise from the dead. They didn't know that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. They didn't know Saul even existed, who would be Paul, who would write Corinthians and Romans and Galatians. They didn't have any of the New Testament. They had a rudimentary, very, very rudimentary understanding of God revealed in Jesus. And he sent them out. There is no one in this room that was less prepared than those disciples. And yet, there's probably no one in this room, including myself, who was more effective than those disciples. What's missing? I think what's missing is a willingness to jump and take a risk and go for it with Jesus. This is encouraging. Why is it encouraging? Because I'm wanting to really strip away our feelings of inadequacy and say, get over it. God is not disillusioned with you or with me. He said right from the beginning, I've always used incomplete, imperfect people. If I was waiting for Brad and Julia to be ready to go to London, they'll never get on the plane. Because they're still screwed up. They've got all kinds of issues. I won't embarrass them with naming them. We all have. Grief. You, 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 you know, step up to my issues and you'll probably look good. There's no need to laugh like that. <laughs> Let me show you what I mean. 
If you look at uh, Luke chapter 9 and you start skimming through the pages that follow it, you get a hallmark or you get an idea of the quality and the qualifications of the disciples who Jesus sent out. Let me skim through it and show you what I mean very, very quickly. They, they were sent out to preach the gospel to take nothing with them. Then Jesus, there's a section there that's about feeding the 5,000. And Jesus says to them, they say to, to Jesus, look, there are all these people without any food. They've been with us a long time. He says, you feed them. They have no clue what to do. They have no idea what they do. They think he's nuts. And he eventually finds a little boy with some fish and loaves. You know the story. And he blesses that and he uses them. And they witness it, but they certainly didn't have a clue what was going on. They didn't get it. He then, the next section is, is where he says to the people, he says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? In, in verse 18. Who do the crowd say they am? They said, some say John, some say Elijah, some say that you're a prophet. I mean, we don't really know Jesus. And he says, so who do you say I am? Peter, again, the only one who speaks, says, well, you are the Christ. Whether he knows what it means or not, but Jesus says, I'll build my church on that confession that you don't understand. They were confused about who Jesus was. They didn't get it all together. They go up a mountain, the mountain of transfiguration. They go to the top of the mountain and Jesus speaks to Elijah and Moses and he, he's revealed in glory. Something comes over him and they go, Whoa! And up on the mountain is Peter, John, and James. Peter says to them, let's build a shack and stay here forever. He totally misses it. How can you take people who don't even have human bodies and, you know, and make a shack? Why would they want to live on the mountain when they live in heaven? doesn't matter. You hear about Peter being sleepy. He's on the, sleepy on the mountain. He, he, he's, he's all over the map. But he doesn't get it. They don't get it. They don't understand what this is about. They experience something, but they don't have a clue really what it's about. They come off that mountain. And they find a guy who's... The, the, some of the disciples are trying to he, heal the son of an epileptic. He, when the, he, the son who is epileptic. Uh, verse 37 and following. A man in the, in the crowd called, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and it suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it's destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. They failed at healing from time to time. They failed at the ministry that they had been commissioned to do. They didn't always get it right. And Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation. And then he says, you know, this comes out with fasting and prayer. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it right all the time. You getting the drift? Yes. You getting the drift that pretty much every excuse you and I give is already recorded as like, that's okay. It's okay. Because everything I've said so far, they worked it out with Jesus. They were together. On the transfiguration, when they came into the crowd and they were healing that kid, they were together. And he said, well, this is how you do it. This is what happens. Coming down from the transfiguration, he says, no, that's not meant to be. There was a voice that said to Peter, just listen. Every context was with people. Because that's how God works. In the context of people. I never trust anyone who tells me what God has told them and they're not in relationship with other people. 
because I've been around the Christian community for 40 years now and I've watched and I've listened it's not good for Adam to be in the garden alone and it's not good for you but that's not all there's even more good news Jesus talks to them about I'm going to the cross I'm going to suffer I'm going to die the disciples were mortified and wept no what happens look in verse uh, I need glasses 46 he's just talked about he's going to the cross he's going to be betrayed what are they doing an argument started among the disciples as as to which of them would be the greatest Jesus wasn't with them, but he said he knew their thoughts. And he said, what were you talking about? Nothing. What were you talking about? Nothing. No. Who's going to be the greatest when you're gone? Who's going to be in charge? Their egos were pretty healthy. Think that's bad? You've got some issues with ego? How you feel, how you think? You're, you, you qualify as a disciple. Think that's bad? Watch this one. Verse 51 following. Time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messages on ahead when, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. The people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they thought, Lord, 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 you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Hey, Lord, they didn't listen to you. Do you want us to just burn them? Anger, revenge, prejudice. They hadn't dealt with who they were. And Jesus didn't go, oh my word, now we're done. He just said, no, it's not the way I go. Next section, they're following Jesus and Jesus saying, follow me. And some said, well, I can't. Why? uh, First, let me go and bury my father. His father's not dead yet. Um, family issues Lord when that's done read that little section you'll find excuses you use and I use you know the kids the family the house hasn't been finished I'm not quite ready yet there are a lot of people who say yes to Jesus who aren't quite ready yet and it sounds real polite but what it really means is I want to run my life and when I'm ready I'll follow you but I first have to educate the children and I first have to do that 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 and you know what? It never happens. It never ever happens. You're never ready because ultimately the issue is one of who is Lord and you will not release it. So you never actually become effective for Jesus. You just actually wander through being entertained by the church and milking what you can and critiquing what you can, but you never become a helpful soldier. We have to come to terms with our fallen nature that Jesus confronts and says, I call you, which means you have to take up your cross. It means you have to lay things down in real time. And then he says, I look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. But don't underestimate it. A lamb with a lion is a potent combination. A lamb with a lion, a lamb with Jesus, is very, very powerful. The wolves will run. You getting inspired yet? Go out and 
So I've given you all these things the disciples were cracks in their armor, cracks in their personality, cracks in their character, all the things that would have caused them to be cast out and said, no, I can't use you, can't use you, can't use you, can't use you. And Jesus, what does he do? He's called 12, and they've already shown that they're pretty incompetent, but they've kind of got good hearts, and they hang around him, and that's enough for him. What happens after that? He calls 72. And he says, I want to send out some more incompetent people. So he calls 72, and he sends them out with the same mandate. I give you authority and power to heal the sick, cast out demons, go out in my name and see what happens. And they come back, and they come back and say, it happened, it worked like you said. And you know what happens? The, most, the moment in the scriptures that is most filled with joy in Jesus' life is this moment. Where he, he can't help himself. He says, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is your good pleasure. I am going to expand my kingdom through people with a childlike attitude who are willing to take what I give and to use it. And brothers and sisters, the reason why the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is being released across the world with power in third world nations is because there's a greater childlike spirit than in the educated West. But we want to reclaim that, don't we? Let me show you what this means as we wind this up. Because we're called, and we're called to be sent, and we're called to be effective. We're called to proclaim the kingdom, not just to talk about the kingdom, but to lay hands on people and see the power of God at work. And you're included. So if you're not available, then you're saying no. It's not any other way. You're either in or you're out. God's not just saying to Brad and Julia, go to London. He's saying to you and to me, go, serve me. Here we are, and I give you all the resources. And one of the things Jesus in person did with human beings is he just stood in front of them and said, what do you want? Or follow me. And then he walked. And what was their response was public. It was right there, public. Was no politeness about, well, I don't want to make you feel embarrassed. He said, are you coming or are you not coming? I'm on my way. Are you coming or are you not coming? You want me to heal you? What do you want? That's how God works. Now is the moment. It's not bad news because he just says, you don't have to rely on yourself. I know where you are, but I can make you. Watch how this works. Can you show us this uh, DVD, please? Stop it there. Can you move it across to the whole screen while it's stopped? You've seen this before. All right? What's on that thing? It's a potter and a pot of clay. A lump of clay. For many people, becoming Christian means, I've said yes to Jesus, I'm now on the potter's wheel. Okay, let's go. Stop. That's where some people stop. 
Oh, I wasn't expecting water. I didn't see this coming. I'm feeling a little disoriented. I became a member of a church and I got on the wheel. Isn't that enough? Carry on. Stop. I'm feeling a lot of pressure right now. There are things pressing in on me that I don't like. So I don't think I'm going to let this happen anymore. There's a difference between being self-centered and God-centered. Self-centered is when I determine how things are going to work, how God's going to work, when he's going to work, through whom he's going to work. It's a little bit what Tish was speaking about. Or God-centered is where I just say, Lord, here I am, work through me and in me. And he says, I will. I will put my hands on you and my hands on you will be the people you know, the circumstances you're in and the time it takes to do it all. Be encouraged. Where you are right now is where God can work with you and in you right now. Don't ask him to take you out of your circumstance. Thank him for it and ask him to work with you in it. Now, you're going to watch this now and you've seen it before but watch it. In the potter's head is a vision of what that can be. That clay has no idea what it's going to become. It is impossible for that clay to become anything by spinning around on a wheel saying hallelujah. It is impossible for that clay to become what that potter intends if there's no connection between the clay and the potter. And if there's no water, which is the Holy Spirit, poured over. So let's see that guy do what he does. What do you think God might be doing in you right now? What do you think he might be forming in you right now when he says, don't be discouraged that you don't see the end product yet? He's building the foundation of something right now. The way that the potter is glorified is the the clay allowing him to work on it. The way God is glorified is you allowing God to mold you into his image and let you become what you are not at present. We could stop this at any point and say, is God still molding you or have you given up because you don't know where it's going yet? What would make the difference for you would be if you said, I am a piece of clay in the hands of a world-renowned potter. And you see some of his pottery and you go, well, if he can do that, I guess I can risk with me. That's what Jesus is asking to do. A right knuckle might feel like it never had much part to play in life. Look what it can do. A right knuckle.
Isn't that cool? I tried to do this once. I mean, it's very hard. You have to practice and practice and practice. Why am I showing you this? Because I think it's a metaphor for what God is saying to his people. And he says, will you let me complete in you what I have begun? And way too many of us live off the spinning wheel. Lift off the potter's wheel. So we need to encourage one another to get back on. But it makes me dizzy. Doesn't matter. Get back on. Let Jesus work in you. Tell me something. Can you tell the difference between that lump of clay that was originally there and this? The same is true with God working in us. The difference is apparent. You can tell when God's hands are on someone. You can see the changes that take place in character, in disposition, in time management, in the way they view life. What God pours into people comes out of them when they're not looking. What is in you comes out of you. You can't stop it. What you are full of spills out. And what we've learned from Jesus calling the disciples is very simply that he can take the very flawed material that we are and make it into something powerful in the kingdom if we will give him the opportunity. We need to be God-centered, not self-centered. And everything is a process. This takes time. God working with us takes time. So as Brad and Julia go, what would I say to them? What would I say to you? What would I say to myself? Number one, stay in the center of the potter's wheel and keep Jesus central in everything you do. Jesus is the only one who can do ministry. You can spend a lot of time doing stuff, but it won't change lives. Keep very close to Jesus and keep worship as a hugely high priority. Worship is the water pouring over that thing. Worship is the thing that keeps everything alive, the person who keeps it all alive. Keep close to Jesus. Which means stay close to the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is your power for everything that God ever calls you to do. And I would say don't stay alone. Don't be alone. Don't be a lone ranger. Keep in community. We need each other to keep us growing, to keep us encouraged, and to help us in our weakness. And we also need each other to help one another because other people need you. You need community. We need togetherness. And I'd say one more thing, and that is uh, stay open to the scriptures. I teach the scriptures because it's what they, I believe they say. It's not necessarily what I've experienced yet. I'm wanting to grow into the experience of which I teach, which is, which is what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not there yet, but that's what I believe God is calling us to. And then as a leader, that's what you're calling people to. Just phrase that for a moment, please. You see, that's what you're called to. When you look at that, we feel like bits of clay, and God says, that's what I'm calling out of you. What we're called to do with one another is to say that's where we're heading. 
And God has many, many of these in each of us that he says, that's what I'm pulling out of you, if you'll let me. Let's stand. Why are we standing? Because we always stand after I've spoken, because I'm wanting to say, invite you to something right now. God called the disciples and he said, it's not about you and we're going to send Brad and Julia out, but we're going to actually just send all of us out. I get the visa card and, and I have to phone the head office and ask them to activate it. And I believe God wants us to do something. It's not just focusing on Brad and Julia, but for each of us, we can come to before Jesus right now and he says, can I activate in you the next step for you to become my disciple and for you to serve me and for you to be the one who shares the kingdom with those around you. You tell him that. I can't answer. I'm saying yes. I'm absolutely saying yes. Lord, I want you to activate in me the next phase of effectiveness by the Holy Spirit in me that will actually release your power and your presence so that others would be blessed and know you are Lord. And I'm available. You can have my time. You can have my money. You can have my family. You can have everything that I have. I hold nothing back before you because I know that the only place there is life is in Jesus. And I thank you that you forgive me. I thank you that in my imperfection you are not disillusioned. You have gone to the cross for everything I've ever done and will do that's wrong. And so I lay that before you, Jesus. And I ask you to activate in me all that is glorifying to you and honoring to you that, so that I can become the vessel that you see in me that I don't even see yet. And I pray that you activate in me a trust and a love for Jesus that will let him do what he needs to do even when it feels strange, even when it doesn't make sense to me. I give you my mind and my heart and I say, yes, Lord, I want all that you have you can say amen to the prayer that I prayed for myself or you can be silent and think of what you're going to have for dinner but God will honor whatever you give him and then he also says to you and to me I want a commitment from you that you will be thankful and participate in community and that you will recognize that the situations I've placed you in right now are part of what I'm using to mold you into what you are not yet. I want you to grow in being interdependent and humble and available. And if you will do that, you will see, as I did with my disciples, I will release authority and power in you and through you the like of which you have never seen before. So receive. Receive the presence of Jesus, the power of his spirit. Receive. 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 And then walk in faith so that God can make you into what you're not yet. And it's not all about you. He wants to use you in your brokenness and incompleteness to minister to others, to bless others. So, Father, as we come into the breaking of bread, I give you all my excuses. I give you all my fears. I give you all my issues where I always say, not yet, I can't do this, I can't do that, but you don't understand. All that stuff, Lord, I just give it to you because I don't even believe it. I know it's an excuse. I give you fear in the name of Jesus. 
I give you control. I give you the way I think about things. And I just ask you to teach me how to follow you and that your joy will be full in me as I work with you and you work with me. And I pray blessing over my relationships that those would be things that I appreciate and I'm supported by because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be private. I don't want just to be on my own with you, Jesus. So I bless what you're doing among us and in me. So look at that vase and hear the Lord speaking to you about what he's making you to be that you are not yet. And his invitation to you is, will you let me do that in you? On my terms, not on yours. So Father, I thank you for what you're doing among us. And we pray blessing on this breaking of bread as we share together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us is what we're going to sing now. And let's walk into uh, that which God is still doing. You are right where he wants you to be and he can do amazing things right in you right now. Bless you, Lord. Amen.